And Ricardo Pepe, the young man from the El Paso, Texas area, is about to make his Bundesliga debut. Welcome to the Bundesliga. The young man known variously as El Tren, the train, El Toro, the bull. Americas live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside my good friend Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar for what is Episodio 90, the 90th edition wow. of this show, Herc, and it comes in the aftermath of Pepe Mania taking over Germany this past weekend. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Good to be back, Sebi. Uh, Derek Ray, now he's doing Spanish. That guy does it all, man. He really, truly does. Of course, uh, this show available for you in podcast form as well. And we got a lot coming your way. Herc, you've been putting in the work. You had a one-on-one -on -one exclusive interview with Carlos Acevedo of Santos and the Mexican national team. We'll hear that a little bit later on in the show. We got lots of transfer news, Herc, both comings and goings from around Major League Soccer that we will discuss. And how about this? There's the possibility that soon Christian Pulisic may not be the only American playing for Chelsea. But we'll leave that for just a little bit later on in the show. Let's start in Germany with the story of the weekend. Ricardo Pepe's Bundesliga debut, which of course you can see live on ESPN Plus Saturday. He got 30 minutes off the bench for Augsburg in a 3-1 loss to Hoffenheim. I guess we should say to Chris Richards Hoffenheim, the American defender playing the full 90. But the story, no doubt, Pepe, fresh off that $20 million transfer from FC Dallas. He makes his European debut. How about this? One day before his 19th birthday. Not a lot of chances for Pepe in the half hour. In fact, maybe just one half chance, but still a historic day for the young man. Let's hear what the youngster from El Paso had to say after his Bundesliga debut. Welcome to Germany. Welcome to the Bundesliga. How uh, was it like your first 30 minutes on a pitch in Germany? Uh no, it was great, you know, just getting used to the team, getting used to the field, getting used to the league. I feel like, you know, it was great. First 30 minutes, obviously, you know, it, it's uh, tough because we, we lost the game, but, you know, we're trying to work and we're trying to get ready for the next game and move on. A goal-getter ahead of a debut always dreams of scoring in his first game, right? That wasn't the case. But um, how do you feel inside the team already? No, I feel good. You know, the, my team is that made me feel special, made me feel welcome. So, you know, I have good, good chemistry with them. They're all very nice and I feel good inside the team. So what do you think is uh, more difficult, the language, than playing football with them? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely hard, you know, obviously learning German. I, I need to learn it a little more to be able to communicate with them at, at some times. But, you know, they speak good English and we're trying to get through it. What about the weather? You're from Texas? No, in Texas, we have, most of the year we have hot, you know, so it, it's always warm over there. But getting used to the weather here, you know, it, it's, it's okay. You know, we, we have to do what we got to do at soccer and we got to get adapted. So there it is, Herc. Ricardo Pepe gets 30 minutes in his Bundesliga debut, which I got to say I was kind of surprised by. I thought he might get less, you know, just the fact he'd been in Germany less than a week, only a couple training sessions. But there you have it. He gets a half hour. What would you make of his performance in his first game in Germany? About what I thought it would be. He's not getting a lot of chances in front of the net, right, in front mm. of goal. And that's uh, what we expect. This is why they just scored 17 goals previously before Ricardo Pepe. 18 now in 18 games. It's a team that struggles to really 
be productive in the offensive third. You saw his touches, a lot of them in his own half, about only one uh, in the final third in the box, and it was a half chance outside of the foot off a cross. He's really trying to survive off those half chances, and for a striker, that's a difficult thing to do. He's about service. Yes, he's got very good link-up play, but you saw when he tried linking up with his teammates where those touches were, and oftentimes, a team like FC Augsburg, they're going to get you on the counter. That's maybe when they'll have a chance. Mm. Even when he was trying to spring himself open, even when he did get open, the service wasn't there. The vision by his teammates wasn't there. It's going to take some time. Hey, this game was without fans. That's another thing. Ricardo Pepe had the benefit of the doubt that the fans weren't there. That could work against you as a young player. This is a guy that was brought in for $20 million. A kid with a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And I think there's a reason I went for that bet of the five and a half under. Doesn't look like they're going to get a lot of chances for the goal. Can I give a, a couple reasons for optimism here? We got to remember, right, he is, he's coming off the offseason for yeah. Major League Soccer. I don't really think I saw a guy who looked like he was in offseason form, right? He, he looked fit. He looked like he was ready. The other thing that I, I had an honest concern about Pepe heading to the Bundesliga and just to European football in general, we think of it as more physical. He's like he's a tall guy, her. Yeah. But he's not a thick guy. He's six one. On the MLS website, they list him as weighing 163 pounds. That's kind of skinny. But I didn't see him looking like a skinny player uh, against those Bundesliga defenders. I saw a guy who at least physically absolutely looks like he can cut it. But to the point that you made uh, and what we saw in that heat map, it's scary. 30 minutes, nine touches, just the one touch in the box. But again, how much of that is on Ricardo Pepe and how much about that is down to the team that he's playing for in Augsburg? And to that point, Herc, I was hosting ESPN FC over the weekend and I was working on Saturday when this game went down. We had Steve Nickel in studio and we had Jan Agafjortov, who of course played for a long time in the Bundesliga, Norwegian national team as well, now covers the German league force on ESPN FC on the show. And we started talking about Augsburg as it pertains to, is it the right spot for Pepe's development? I want you to hear what both these guys had to say, and then I'll see if you agree with it. I'm, I'm a little worried that he may not, because I, I automatically went and thought of Josh Sargent. Mm. You know, never got any chances. If he did get a chance, it would be a half chance, and it might be one a game. And then, and then what you do, and playing for a team like that, you spend your whole 90 minutes chasing. He's not going to learn anything if he's spending 90 minutes every weekend chasing. Uh, so that's a worry. You know, if, he, if he'd gone to a Dortmund and known that he wasn't going to play, then I'm thinking about people like Bellingham and Pulisic, who went there and knew they weren't going to play, but who'd developed so, so, so quickly, particularly the understanding of the game. So I don't think Ricardo Pepe's going to learn the understanding of much of a game if he spends the majority of his time chasing. That, that's my only worry. Jan, does some of what Stevie's saying ring true for you as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what we are doing with, with the human beings here. And I, I don't know him, how mature he is, how he's thinking, how his camp is thinking. So what he's doing. The, the problem is, of course, Stevie, to your point with Dortmund, uh, either you, you, you learn to swim straight away or you go under. Hmm. 
All right, Herc, so some doubts there about whether Ricardo Pepe made the right choice for the first stop on his European sojourn. What do you think? Is there some truth to what the boys are saying? Yeah, especially Stevie Nichols. Stevie Nichols knows his football like he knows his shepherd's pie. The man's uh, <laughs> right on point there. Listen, when you're chasing the game, as you call it, that's what they're saying, it's because you're playing from behind. It's much more difficult to score as a striker when you're playing from behind. The spaces are tighter. Teams tend to defend a bit more. They're more lax with the ball. You're chasing uh, in what is this possession. It, it's very difficult. Now, for a young player, it reminds me a lot of what he's doing at Norwich and also what he experienced, uh, Josh Sargent, his last season at Schalke. This is a player that's very technical on the ball, somewhat like Pepe. Pepe's very good at combining. Josh Sargent's very technical, very good at combining. But what he needed the most was those reps in front of goal. And what Ricardo Pepe needs the most to date, and any forward needs the most, is that confidence. It doesn't matter if you're getting those opportunities with the U.S. men's national team, if you're not confident they're going to do you no good, and if, if all you're doing is week in, week out, is getting shellacked by these clubs in the Bundesliga, is chasing the game, is getting these half chan chances, dependent on scraps, it's going to be very difficult mentally for a player. And that's where Jan was trying to come in about not knowing him personally. Remember, Herc, one of my key concerns about Augsburg was the fact that they're in this relegation race. So right. regardless of the fact that, that they paid a record fee for you, if you're not the hot hand, um, you're not going to get minutes because the club's existence is kind of hanging on the line. Uh, Mikhail Grigorich, who's the player who actually scored for Augsburg, is another one of the forwards. He's hot right now. He's got three goals in his last six, which for Augsburg is, is incredible. So I, I think when you look at what happened over the weekend, we see Pepe. We saw some positives there. But if Grigorich is going to get hot, then that's at least one of those striker positions that you know is not going to change. Now, fortunately here, Augsburg does play with two strikers up top. So maybe they can coexist. But that, for me, would be a concern if Grigorich continues to score. Uh, let's move on with some other action from around Europe. We'll run it back with a couple key performances in big games for big-name Americans. Let's start with Weston McKinney, Herc, who played all 90 for Juventus in a wild come-from-behind win against Roma. They won it 4-3 in the end, and McKinney played very well. That's not a hockey assist. Don't give him a hockey assist. It's a nice little touch. Listen, Weston McKinney's been one of the better players uh, for Juventus as of late. 90 versus Napoli a few days ago. 90 again versus Roma in this crazy exchange of a game. I was a little upset I didn't see the majority of it, but Weston keeps producing. He's playing well. And weren't you the guy saying Weston was on the down, was on an off year? I was not saying he was down or on an off year. I said he had a bad game, and he hasn't played bad since then, so don't listen to me. Right. Uh, elsewhere, FA Cup, Christian Pulisic. And Chelsea advanced on Saturday 5-1, Herc, over Chesterfield. Pulisic started, played about an hour. He got an assist, and he drew a PK with some exquisite one-on-one -on -one magic. Yeah, I'm a little worried about Christian Pulisic because since December 1st, that's uh, about 12 games, right? And then they still have Spurs in the return leg of the EFL semi. EFL semi excuse me. Uh, three more after that. Then he goes to the U.S. Men's National League face El Salvador in the first game. That's another three games. So that's 18 club games plus three World Cup qualifiers. 21 in two months for a player that is oft injured, has muscular injury issues. I'm a little worried with all the travel coming up. Of course, the FA Cup available for you on ESPN+. Plus. Christian Pulisic and Chelsea advancing to the fourth round where the Blues will face off against Plymouth Argyle. ESPN Plus, your home for all things Chelsea in the FA Cup. Transfer window still open, which means people asking questions about that guy, Serginho Dest, and his future. The latest link, the latest hot link, Herc, 
Chelsea. Thomas Tuchel reportedly sees Dest as an ideal wingback for his system. And with right-back Reese James and left-back Ben Chilwell both facing long-term injuries, there are multiple possibilities for playing time. So, Herc, is Chelsea the right spot for the next step? For Serginho Dest. No! Chelsea would be a disaster. A disaster for Serginho Dest. What's his Why? biggest weakness? What's Serginho Dest's biggest weakness? You're gonna say defending. It's defending. That's the Thomas Tuchel way. Tactically, it's how smart can you be to, can you be and set up to defend, to defend as a team. Uh, both the Premier League as a league in general for Serginho Dest, who's not overly physical, who's not overly tactical, who doesn't defend well, putting him in a situation where it's defend first mentality uh, in a very physical setup like that, it's just a recipe for disaster. And then behind players like Reese James, who's probably the best player Chelsea has right now, Aspilicueta uh, mm -hmm. Alonso, national team player, Aspilicueta as a captain, uh, whatever you want, it almost feels like they want an insurance policy for these players. They want a backup option. That's what that's what Serginho Dest would be going into Chelsea as, a backup option for these players. Well, maybe not in the short term. Maybe not in the short term. A Chilwell's out for the season. Reese James has a long-term injury with a hamstring. Uh, Aspilicueta's end of a deal. So, I mean, right there, Herc, there, there's some potential here uh, for some playing time. Can I tell you, though, I don't think this will happen, uh, partially because of money. Right? Barcelona paid, what, around 21 plus 5 in add-ons, so like 26 million euros. It sounds like the reports are suggesting Chelsea doesn't want to go above 20 or 25. Barcelona's valuation on Serginho Dest is around 35 million euros. So if the numbers don't come together, um, and we know this is, this is a financial move for Barcelona, so if the money ain't right, um, they're not going to do it. The other reason I don't think it'll happen is we continue to hear reports that Serginho Dest wants to stay at Barcelona, and frankly, when I see all the other options, Herc, they're like mega clubs. I mean, it's PSG, it's Chelsea, it's Bayern Munich. It's Bayern Munich. Um, am I, I don't want to like sound like I'm insulting Serginho Dest, but, but you, it feels you're going like to. no. It just feels like all these clubs are are a, are a step ahead of where he is right now in his career. We're we're trying to put him into places where there's way too much competition for playing time. I feel like he missed a step in his career, yeah. and maybe Barcelona right now is actually that step because they're not what they used to be, what they should be. But but these mega clubs, I mean, PSG, Bayern, play, Chelsea, I don't like play, it. Though. He's not I don't playing like in any Barcelona. Of those. And it seems like from reports that Xavi doesn't really rate him. So if, you don't, if you're not rated by the head coach and you're mm. not going to play, you need to go somewhere where you can play. I agree with what you're saying. Keep in mind, he's a converted winger to right back. He wasn't a right back growing up or in the academy system. He wasn't highly regarded. This is a player that made the switch later on in his youth. And under Ronald Koeman, uh, got noticed with the national team, and all of a sudden, Serginho Dest is exploding. Serginho Dest is going to go to, uh, was it, Bayern Munich to Juventus PSG, and it's Barcelona that lands him. So, yes, there's a high price tag for him, but there's a reason he's not that great defense, because he's still learning the position. And you're right. When these clubs invest that much in you, it's not to learn the position. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, one more link that I thought was interesting, which might fit into that middle ground, right? Not super elite club, at least not how they're playing right now, and that's Atletico Madrid. Uh, Kieran Trippier, who they just moved to Newcastle. Could you imagine Serginho Desturk getting some of that Cholo Simeone toughness, defensive grit, as you have it right there uh, on your shirt in this game? That could be something uh, very, very special for Serginho Desturk. Speaking of Atleti, they're involved in the Spanish Super Cup, which is coming up this week. But first things first, the first of the two semifinals. Are you kidding me? They gave us a Clásico, Barcelona and Real Madrid from Saudi Arabia. That one Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern time.
on ESPN and coverage starts a half hour before that over on ESPN Plus. Now the Super Cup final will be on Sunday on ESPN Deportes, ESPN2 and of course ESPN Plus part of a jam-packed January across the ESPN family of networks. In case you missed it, Herc, some history. John Brooks has become the fourth American to hit 200 Bundesliga appearances. He did so on Sunday, getting 90 minutes for Wolfsburg against Bochum. He joins Steve Cherundolo, Timmy Chandler, and Fabian Johnson in the Bundesliga American 200 club. 28 years old. He's only 28 years old. And he's already hit his 200th game in the Bundesliga. Somebody should uh, get this man's phone number for Greg Berhalter, the U.S. Men's National Team. He seems to be doing very well right now. Speaking of milestones, Andres Guardado played in what we thought uh, was his 496th official European game over the weekend. Uh, that would have made him, uh, actually put him ahead of Hugo Sanchez for the most official games in Europe by a Mexican player. Uh, the only issue, the numbers were wrong. Apparently, this was official appearance number 474 for Andres Guardado. Not quite past Ugol, but uh, still pretty impressive. Very impressive. He tweeted out the wrong number. Andres Guardado doesn't minimize what he's done. He's a historic Mexican player. All right, so this got us thinking, right? Because both these guys now could have a role in Qatar, but maybe we're not sure about what that role might be. So who do you think will play a bigger role for their respective national teams at the World Cup 11 months from now? Andres Guardado or John Brooks? So 11 months from now, Andres Guardado will be 36 years old in mm -hmm. Qatar. Mm -hmm. And John Brooks will be 29. John Brooks very much in the prime of his career. Andres Guardado on the tail end, and yet, it's Andres Guardado, who has a stranglehold with Tata Martino and that spot. He's a team captain. I have no doubts of him being in Russia, in that Rafa Marquez, I'm sorry, in Qatar, in that Rafa Marquez Russia uh, type role at the last World Cup, where he's going to be that leader for the team. He's going to be a guy that you can plug in a game here, a game there, but very much a locker room figurehead. Uh, John Brooks, I can't sit here and guarantee you that he's going to mm. play another game for Greg Berhalter. I, I mean, when you see what had happened, and I guess the lack of trust that Greg Berhalter has, has in him now, and, and no light at the end of the tunnel in sight, it doesn't leave you feeling good about his chances to play, regardless of him being very much, very much in the prime of his career. If the question was who's more likely to make the World Cup team, I could see your logic behind Guardado. But since the question is bigger role, I got to think it's John Brooks, because even if Guardado goes in that Rafa Marquez role, like how much did Rafa actually play in 2018? Brazil. There's a start, there's a half, right? It's, it's, it's moments. So if John Brooks is on the plane to Qatar, if we're going off resumes, he's the most accomplished center back in the American pool right now. There's a very yes. good chance, sir, he could be a starter. And if you're a starter at center back, you're not subbing out of games. You're playing the full 90 minutes. So bigger role in Qatar? Seb, he's it, it may be a riskier. I know. I know you really don't think John Brooks going to be on the flight to Qatar. Man, I, I wish he was on the flight to Qatar, but right now, right mm. now, if you had to pick 23 players right now, do you think Greg Verhalter would pick him as one of the 23? Well, I don't know that the list will only be 23, okay. first of all. I think there could be a longer there list. There could but be I, a longer list. Uh, you're right. Right now, right now, he seems to be on the outside looking in. Um, but as we said, we got 11 months to go, so things could change very, very quickly there. The U.S. men's national team, or at least the domestic base of it, Herc, right now in training camp, 
in California. Remember, we had, uh, what was it, 19 MLS players called in last week. And from the sounds of it, apparently the men's national team is dealing with some of the same COVID issues, Herc, that we are seeing across the spectrum of professional sports. Let's listen to the manager, Greg Berhalter. Um, you know, COVID it has has hit us in this camp. There has been have been some cases of guys entering camp with COVID. Um, fortunately, most are asymptomatic, and now it's just about a little bit of a waiting game. But that's our reality, and that's what all sports teams are dealing with. So we'll be ready to adapt. We will have a contingency plan in place. We're not exactly sure how many players um, extra we'll take, but. Um, you know, we're going to be thorough and make sure we have, you know, a roster that can compete because, you know, from all indications, this thing spreads quickly, although people aren't necessarily, or at least what we've seen, there hasn't been a ton of sickness, but it has been spreading. I, I believe, um, and, you know, and this is just my opinion, that it's beneficial for us to have a national training center. Um, and, you know, not only for consistency of you know, the, the senior team, but also to have all the other teams, you know, the ability for them to be there as well. All right, Herc, next up for the United States, El Salvador in World Cup qualifying, a game you can see right here on ESPN Plus as well as ESPN2. And, of course, Football Americas will be in Columbus live, bringing you all the necessary post-game coverage as the United States faces off against El Salvador. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. The Liga MX, Jornada Uno. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, we start with the good. I thought it might be Cruz Azul for beating Cholos, but half our production crew is from... TJ and they get pretty sensitive. So it's Chivas <laughs> opening the season with a 3-0 win against Mazatlán. Goals from Ángel Saltívar, a penalty, uh, Alan Torres, Alexis Vega as well. All three goals coming in first half stoppage time. Herc, it's just one game, but it's tough to imagine a, a better start for Michelle Año and company. Is this version of Chivas for real? <laughs> Smoke or fire is what you said in the production meeting, and uh, mm -hmm. it's a spark. I don't know about actual fire, but it, it's something. Let's a little context. Mazatlan was terrible. Mazatlan was no good. Mazatlan is also the team they had to beat to go into Repechaje. They beat in Mazatlan, so they seem to have something over them. Uh, but the scoreline's a bit misleading, Seb. Mm. Uh, the first goal comes in, what is it, minute 44, 46. Uh, the second goal shortly after, the third goal, uh, it, it almost was the second half, I mean. It, they came in four minutes. Like a span of four or five minutes came all these goals. But 
Chivas was thoroughly deserving. Did they mm -hmm. deserve to score three, maybe four goals? I don't think so, but they outplayed Mazatlan. This is definitely a positive step in the right direction. And, and, and one more thing. Anytime a team that struggles to score goals, because that's what uh, sorry, Chivas is, last season struggled to score goals, and they have this type of offensive production or this explosion, it's a positive thing. And last season, their most talented player was barely on the field and scored zero goals. This season, already a nice little free kick, Alexis Vega or the, starting off on the right foot. And it seems like he's happy and it seems like, for now, Michele Año and Chivas are going in the right direction. Who cares when they score the goals, right? If you spread three goals over 20 minutes, don't count any differently than if you score them in six in stoppage time. I think there's some stats here. I know you hate stats, uh, but they do paint a pretty picture for Chivas in this game. That's 70 percent possession. They had 15 shots. They outshot Mazatlan. Eight shots on goal to one shot on goal. Um, that's dominance, right? That's that's dominating your opponent. That's kind of what Leaño has has promised here. So um, maybe you say the 3-0 flatters Chivas a little bit, but it I does. think there's a, there's a lot of signs of promise. We should also note they did this uh, without Piojo Alvarado, who uh, aside from what Alejandro Mayorga is kind of the only other big move uh, from the winner. So, you know, they're left. not necessarily at yeah. full strength yet. Uh, I think uh, it's a pretty positive there for Chivas. So from the good, let's move to the bad. Ah, here we go. This is another edition of uh, Tele Tigres with your Tigres loving ways influencing the production meeting. Rayados are in the bad. Herc, they didn't even lose. They tied Querétaro 0-0 um, in Monterrey. Ooh, uh, why, why you put Rayados? Why you put Rayados Seb, I in didn't the put bad Rayados. That was the production. And, and, and ah. Rayados is going now on four straight home games in league play where they have failed to score a goal. The richest roster in Mexican soccer. The team that's got Duvan Vergara, Joel Campbell, Maxi Mesa, Funes Mori, Jansen. Can't find the back of the net versus powerful Querétaro. This team, this team, millions and millions of dollars in the transfer market. This team, Javier Aguirre, $4 million man, the head coach, the, the, the best Mexican coach that's ever existed, can't score a goal on at home. They can't score a goal. They're spectacular in name, boring in play. Nah, exagerado. You didn't watch this game. You didn't, you didn't even watch the highlights that they just ran. They, they, Querétaro's goalie had nine saves. They had 26 How shots. How is that it's a fluke. different? It's a fluke that they didn't score. It's a fluke. Four straight? 26 shots. Four straight? 26 Four shots. Straight? What do you want? You're going to tell me they're not playing Tunes well? Morning please, was stuck please. At 122 please. goals for three months mm. straight. And then he finally scored one three and he break that record. This team has a problem scoring. I really think it's Javier Aguirre. I really think... This manager, one of the all-time best, if not the all-time best Mexican manager, is holding them back. Hey, I let's love get to the brass tacks, then. Is. Let's get to the brass tacks. How much pressure is he under? I mean, he's got the FIFA Club World Cup coming up. That buys him through mid-February. No chance, because they only got two games left before that. I think it's Necaxa, Cruz Azul. No chance they would fire him before then, right? You see that right there? You see that? Mm -hmm. You see those, those numbers and the years right there? Each coach had two seasons. One year. There's your pressure. He can go to the mm. Club World Cup, and they're not only competing for Liga Mekis, but they're competing against Liga Mekis. And what I mean by that is the shadow of Tigres. They mm. need to surpass what Tigres did, because in that city, for Liga Mekis, for any Rayado fan, that's all they will care about when it comes to the Club World Cup. Classic Hercules Gomez, always, always bringing it back to Tigres. So if Rayados were bad, Club America, oof, that, that was ugly.
They open their campaign with a 1-1 draw, Herc, away to Puebla. But that's not the ugly part. No, the ugly part is Santiago Solari, America's manager, uh, sprinting onto the field to argue a yellow card and then getting tossed 32 minutes into the first game of the season. Uh, what do we think here? Is the pressure getting to Santiago Solari? Yeah, I'll get to the pressure in a sec. I don't know about you, but I think he's confused here. I think he thinks Roger Martinez is going to get sent off. And that's why he goes in protest. And then <laughs> it's only going to be a yellow, but he's already on the field, so he's got to go. Uh, Paco Gabriel de Anda a few days ago on Puto Picante said that Santiago Solari is under more pressure at Club America than he is at Real Madrid, than he is at Real. And I started thinking about this. Maybe he's on to it. Bear with me for a second. Okay, don't give me that silly grin. Bear with me for a second. Interim coach at Rao, he was never going to be the guy. It was never going to be his team. He was only going to be there as a caretaker for a limited amount of time, okay? He gets here. He's got a stacked resume compared to the majority of coaches who come to Liga Mekis. His first season, second place, uh, they lost three points at the table because of an ineligible player that was on the bench versus Atlas. They should have won the regular season. Second season, they win the regular season. 73 points in a calendar year, historic in Mexican soccer. Yet they keep questioning him. They keep questioning his methods. They keep questioning how pragmatic he is. They keep questioning how they're not spectacular. How America, this America, doesn't play the way they need to play. And I think in his mind, it drives him absolutely mm. bananas. It drives him crazy. How dare you question me? How dare you? I've been to Real Madrid. I've been there. I coach, I coach in the Champions League. And now you're going to sit here and tell me what I do, even though I win, isn't enough? I think that's getting to him. Whenever a uh, America manager kirks out, the obvious comparison is obviously Miguel Piojo Herrera. Ooh. I don't know if you saw the, uh, the tweet from our, our good friend, colleague, and sometimes co-host on this show, Mauricio Pedrosa, who had like a, a zoomed-in image of Solari's face, like right here, right when he's like, ah, and said, who's the unbalanced one now, Solari or Piojo? I mean... Come on, come on, Mal. That's a, that's a, uh, we'll talk to Mal about that when he comes on the show, but that's Wait, too much, wrong? right? Is he wrong? Yes, yes, no. yes. Piojo no. was losing. They give, Solari they give Solari the benefit of the doubt. Solari comes here and he complains about the away goal. Away goal's gone. Solari comes here and he complains about the playoff format. How, 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 how it's wrong and how regular season matters and everybody bows down to him. He's, since he's come from Castellano, the second division in Spain, everything he's Castilla, told Liga yeah. Mekis... Is that what it's called? Castilla, yeah. Castilla, I'm sorry. From the second division in Spain, everything he's told Liga Mekis is, what you're doing is wrong. He's talked mm. down to everybody at Liga Mekis, and they bow down to him. Why? Why? No, 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 no. Solari lost his cool. Piojo has lost jobs because he can't keep his hands off people, right? That, there's, there's different levels. The other point I well. would make here is America played the last hour of this game down a man, and they still tied away from home. So it's not that bad a result. It's not the moment to hit the panic button. Uh, Are not you just yet. Liga Mekis all Faith over uh, ESPN Plus in the coming <laughs> weeks and months. we got a game for you Saturday night. That's our next offering. Leon against, hey, the aforementioned Cholos of Tijuana. That one's Saturday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on ESPN+. Herc, let's run it back. El Tristyle to the FA Cup. Raul Jimenez notching an assist for Wolves over the weekend as they beat Sheffield United 3-0 to uh -oh. advance to the fourth round. Uh-oh, MLS goalies, am I right? What are you doing, <laughs> goalkeeper? Raul Jimenez taking care of business, good little assist, but I need to tell you something, Sadie. Raul Jimenez is a great player and a great facilitator, but he needs to start scoring goals. For Wolves, 
for El Tri. You need to see Raul Jimenez back to his goal scoring ways. No more facilitating, no more playmaking, you're a nine. I'm with you. Uh, he didn't start this game, by the way, subbed on in the 68. From the officially official category, Orbelin Pineda has made the move to Celta Vigo in Spain. His presentation was last Friday. He's got a contract hurt through 2027. How about that? 2027, he'll be 30 by the time that contract expires. I love that he's bold enough to force his way out of Liga Mekis. He's been a champion everywhere he's been. Well, almost everywhere. I can't fault him for not winning in Querétaro. <laughs> but Celta de Vigo, 14th place in La Liga. I hope he gets his minutes. I hope he comes better for this. Yes, uh, according to Opta, Orbelin will become the 43rd Mexican uh, to play in La Liga. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. All right, let's transition to Major League Soccer, where Joseph Martinez wants a new contract. Here's what he had to say on it in an exclusive interview with Felipe Cárdenas of The Athletic. Quote, obviously, I'd like to be the league's best-paid striker, but I don't want $50 million for one year. I just want a salary improvement, and most importantly, that they guarantee those additional contract years. Herc, are you cool with Joseph Martinez making his contract demands public? Shoot your hot, shoot your shot, homie. I'm cool with it. Absolutely cool with it. Joseph Martinez has sat around for five years, and broken records won everything there humanly is to win, possibly humanly possible you can win in, in Major League Soccer. He's won MLS All-Star MVP. He's won, he's won MLS Cup. He, he's won the MLS Cup MVP. He's won the regular season MVP. Everything you can win, he's won. Scored so many goals, and for the last five years has been top five in jersey sales mm -hmm. every single year. So you could understand why he wants his money. Last season... He's coming off an ACL tear. Plays, I think he started 18 games, 12, 12 of those uh, games he scored in 12 goals. And he scored more goals in that year, coming back from an ACL injury, than Carlos Vela did in the last two years. And Carlos Vela's the highest paid guy. He scored six less goals than Chicharito did in the last two years, coming off that ACL tear. Slowly but surely, he's coming back to himself. This is a guy that played under three different coaches last year and still produced for you when he was on the field. I've got no issue with him saying he wants to get paid. So he's 28 years old right now. He wants a contract through 2026, which would take him right 28 to 32. Uh, you're the striker. That's kind of the, the prime years for a striker, which if you're Atlanta United, you say, yeah, let's, let's lock this guy up. What this makes me think is that Atlanta United is, is having some doubts, whether it's about the ACL and where his knee is at. Because, um, And I asked you this in the production meeting. You said it is quite common. I feel like it's not that common in MLS that we hear a guy making kind of public contract demands. What it tells me is behind the scenes, things are not going well. Because if they were trending in the right direction, he wouldn't be doing this interview, right? Maybe. Maybe he's frustrated. Maybe he also realizes he's not invincible. And since the knee injury happened, he realizes he's got to secure his future. And that would be a smart move by him. 
we've seen others make this public. I mean, Dwayne DeRosario back in the day, Eddie Johnson, Slatan in a way, when he was on his TAM deal, and he demanded to be you know, the highest paid player in the league. Uh, we've seen things like this, but with Joseph Martinez, this is the first time we've seen everything come to a head. It's not been one season or two seasons. It's been since he's been in Major League Soccer that he's produced. His goal-scoring production per game played is insane. What he means to that city, I don't think there's an individual that is valued more than Joseph Martinez to Atlanta United. You say Atlanta United, you think Atlanta United, mm. and it's Joseph Martinez's face. If he wants to be there and you want him there, pay the man. Yeah, should be very interesting to see how this plays out for Joseph Martinez and Atlanta United. Let's move to our next installment of Sounders TV, Herc. How about this? You uh, Albert it. Rusnak, the Slovakian international, now ex-RSL man, is moving to the Sounders as a free agent. He posted 11 goals and 11 assists last year. Herc, is this something, nothing, or everything for your beloved Seattle Sounders? It's everything. Free agency, baby. This man's 27 years old. And since he's been in the league with the exception of 2020 because it was a reduced season because of COVID, uh, he's either got double-digit goals or double-digit assists, if not both, in all those seasons. He's one of the premier playmakers in Major League Soccer. And you're going to add him to a list now of Joao Paulo, Roldan, Jordan Morris, Nico Lodeiro, and Raul Ruiz Diaz. I mean, Brian Schmetzer has some crazy offensive production, some crazy weapons at his disposal. This makes the Seattle Sounders, again, a contender. They're a contender every mm. year. But this really makes them even more dangerous because Nico yep. Lodeiro is the most creative player they have. And Nico Lodeiro missed a good portion of last season. And you saw around that losing streak the lack of creativity they had and how that impacted them. This is Ruznak now. He could be, uh, he's not an insurance policy, he's going to be a DP. Joao Paulo will certainly be bought down uh, to a TAM-level player. This is just the rich getting richer. You said Albert Ruznak makes the Sounders contender. Please step out a little further on the limb. Uh, does he make them favorites? So as to say now, if they don't win Seattle a trophy in 2022 as they didn't in 2021, will you call it a fracaso then? With still all those few names you just make, mentioned. Still a few moves to make, but that, that offensive, I guess, those offensive players, uh, Yemar Gomez Andrade, uh, then you have Arriaga, Brad Smith, uh, maybe somebody uh, rolled in, you need to lock him down, he's still not signed. But you've got probably the best 11 in Major League Soccer with Ruznak there. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it'll be a fracaso if they can become better offensively to that defensive team that they were last season if they can't uh, win MLS Cup. Yes. Herc, what about some MLS exports, specifically to Argentina? We'll start on South Beach, Inner Miami. They're loaning Argentine defender Leandro Gonzalez Pires to River Plate. It's a two-year loan for the 29-year-old who won MLS Cup with Atlanta in 2018. Herc, interesting. It is a little interesting. Best years in Atlanta, Inter definitely struggled. He's a very talented player. Uh, lots of clubs in Liga Mekis were interested in this player, but he's going to the River Plate. Uh, so, so you're trying to tell me good enough for River Plate, but not good enough to make an impact at Inter. Okay. So Miami uh, not just reinforcing River Plate, they're reinforcing their arch rivals as well. Miami gonna send uh, Nicolas Figal, another defender, on loan to Boca Juniors. Figal started 23 games for Miami last season, Herc. All right, what, what, what's going on here? 
So they're making moves. I'll tell you what they're doing. They're making moves. They got the number one spot. Space. I understand. They got the number one spot in the allocation order. So so that's gearing up for something big. They've cut ties with Blaze Matuidi. So we should expect something big from Miami. I think. I mean, allocation on our U.S. men's national team player, ex-Major League Soccer player. It could be something big, but how big? Man, Chris Henderson's a smart guy. We'll see. More moves to Argentina. Austin FC loaning Tomas Pochettino to River Plate. Pochettino brought in as a DP, but Herky was pretty much a bust. Only two goals and two assists in 31 appearances last year. Okay, let me get this straight. Some of the biggest exporters in South America to the top European clubs like Boca and River are pillaging Major League Soccer at clubs like Inter Miami and Austin FC? Yeah. All right. Makes sense. What does that say? What is that? You, you, you're saying that like it means something. So what does it mean? Dude, well, it means whoever you got running your clubs isn't doing a good job if those are very talented players and you're not getting the most out of them. Or somewhere along the lines, there's a fault there, right? If they're good mm. enough for Boca, good enough for River, but they weren't good enough for Austin, they weren't good enough for Inter, Miami, something's going on here. It also means that you're starting to become a, a player in the world's market. Uh, it used to be Liga Mekis was taking that over. Now you're taking that over in this region. River and Boca, of course, the stalwarts of Conmebol. Meanwhile, we love CONCACAF here, right? We love you getting CONCACAF. And we're going to spin that off into a, a slightly different family here. Uh, because it's, it's like you got CONCACAF flavor, but we're calling it the art of the flop, Herc. A huge American football game last night, right? Raiders charges for a spot in the playoffs. This is the, the Football Americas Clásico. Herc's a, a Raiders fan, Beto, our producer, a Chargers fan. And, and what happens here? The, the wide receiver just basically, I thought diving was in soccer. What happened here? Did he not put his hands on the receiver? Don't put your hands on Zay Jones. Oh, that's a flop. I don't care where the ball is. That's it's in a the box. Flop. That's an infraction. Should have yellow carded him. Look at that. Please. Well, Al Davis. <laughs> uh, some people got really angry. Yeah. Some people got really upset about this. Uh, shouts to our guy, Taylor Twelman, good friend of ours, frequent visitor here on uh, Football Americas. He was the one actually kind of brought it to our attention with this tweet. There you see it, anyone, and I mean anyone that tells me only soccer players dive slash manipulate the officials. Uh, you can see the rest from Taylor there uh, on Twitter. Comical, he told the NFL. Come on, man. All right, Herc, from the, uh, from the same game, uh, this is your You Got CONCACAF, right? Because we never get ties in American football, at least, like, not in the NFL. Uh, and this game, had it ended in a tie, would have created chaos for the playoff scenario. So everybody in the world was like, hey, is, is there a fix-in? Are they going to kneel and just take a tie? That was a real CONCACAF moment. Wow. Well, where do we start? I mean, the Colts are going to play the league-worst Jacksonville Jaguars, and if they lose to them by some chance, then it opens up a scenario where the Steelers who are in won't be in if, get this, the Chargers and the Raiders tie. And then crazy, but crazy, crazy game. The Chargers come storming right back, goes into overtime, and you think it's all set up for a tie. Look at Austin Eckler. Were you guys going to kneel? Yeah, we're going to kneel. Oh, man. <laughs> but mm. but the, the worst thing here is, it was literally going to be a tie. Everyone and their mother wanted it to be a tie. Everybody was rooting for this tie to see chaos. And if not, if not for the timeout called by the Chargers head coach, that's what would have happened. That's most yeah. likely what would have happened. 
Yeah. It felt like the last five minutes of decision day in Major League Soccer, with everything pinging around, how are the balls going to lie? And then in the end, uh, it was your beloved Raiders uh, making it into the playoffs at the expense of Beto's Chargers. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, the friction within the Football Americas production meetings, I'm telling you, it is palpable. You can cut it with a knife. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. At the top of the show, Herc, I mentioned that you have been putting in the work. You've been traveling quite a bit as well. You spent some time in Torreon recently, of course, the home of Santos. And while you were there, you did a couple interviews, right? Uh, one with Carlos Acevedo and one with Pedro Caixinha. We're going to leave the Caixinha interview uh, for next week or maybe the week after that. But let's hear what you had to say uh, and your conversation with Carlos Acevedo, young goalie for Santos and the Mexican national team. This is the man of the moment for Santos, Carlos Acevedo. Servicio que viaja el cabezazo de Pacerini a las manos de Carlos Acevedo. Viene Santa María. Palo en el rebate. A las afueras del área para Bigón. Media vuelta. El vuelo de Acevedo. Sí. Carlos, thank you so much. Carlos, you've been here since you were 10 years old. You're 25 years old now. You're the captain of the team. Uh, Santos Laguna is one of the few teams that actually plays their kids, give their, gives their kids an opportunity to come to the first team and actually play. Why don't more teams in Mexico do this? Well, first of all, I'm very happy for talking in English with you. Uh, yes, we know that Santos Laguna have been uh, making the, the things very good on, on our basic forces. Uh, all the teams on the first division uh, work very hard, but I think that Santos have something special in, in, the, in the club that makes uh, a lot of kids uh, to play on the first division. Uh, I think also the part of, of being human and the social life that the club has, I think it's very important to to be like special. So because of that, I think that Santos it's special in that case. A few months ago, there were reports of a potential move for you to Bayern Leverkusen. Yes. That didn't transpire. How real was the European interest, or how close were you to actually leaving Santos? Yes, was was real scouting from some clubs of Europe. 
Uh, I was very happy because that means that I am working very hard and I am working good. Uh, also, my mind and my focus has been always on, on the club, on Santo Laguna, and I want to, to win titles. I want to win the CONCACAF, I want to fight uh, for the Liga title on Mexico and my mind is it's on, on the club, it's on Torreón and in the Laguna. You know, despite being one of the better goalkeepers over the last few years in Liga MX, you just received your first call up with Tata Martino. Why do you think it took so long? Yes, I know that it's a process that the Mexican national team has. Uh, I work every every single week to to have that call, and when I received the notice and the letter from the uh, national team, I was very happy. I was crying with my family because I've been I have passed uh, a lot of things in my in my life in my professional career, and. The, the day that I have my, debut, my, my first match with, with the selection was very good for me. My, my parents were on the, on the stadium and I was very happy. I was uh, enjoying every single second and every minute from the match. And I want to be more, more I want to have more uh, calls from, from the Mexico national team and I will work for that. When we talk about the national teams, we have to include the United States men's national team, the Canadian national team, and other national teams, and how they're exporting players to Europe. Why aren't more young players, young Mexican players, leaving and trying to go to Europe? I think that the Mexico, well, the, the Mexican players uh, want to go to Europe, but we know that the soccer, it's, it's kind of business also from the club and the and the players i know that the clubs wants the best for for the players and for the club and it, it doesn't depends a lo, uh, at all on on the players so i think that all all of mexican young uh, players want to go to europe but something is missing to 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 export us and you think it's more on the business side yes i think it's it's more on the business but i think that the mexico uh, national players also want to to play in the best uh, leagues of europe so it's kind of a step so we can do and, and have the possibility to play in there if mexico is not exporting at the same rate as other countries within CONCACAF, can that hurt Yes, of course. Yes, we, we need to to keep forward and to keep evolution the evolution of our soccer. So we gotta play the best leagues. So the Mexico national team increase the the level that we have a very good level. So if the young people go to Europe, I think it we will have a better selection. Carlos, when you look at the other national teams within CONCACAF and at the rate they're exporting players to Europe, if Mexico doesn't keep up with that rate, can it hurt them? Yes, of course. Yes, we, we need to keep a, an evolution in our soccer. So the young players of Mexico, if they are uh, exporting them to Europe, I think the, the level of the national team will increase and we will have a better uh, selection. 
we know that Mexico has really good players, has uh, a very good national team, and if the young uh, people of Mexico go to Europe, I think the national team will be better in the field and we will have better results. When you look at the goalkeeping pool within Mexican soccer, you have Memo Ochoa, 36 years old, turning 37 soon. You have Alfredo Talavera, 39. You have Rodolfo Pisa, uh, Cota, excuse me, 34. Orozco, 34. You're 25. Do you see yourself in Qatar? Yes, of course. I have it on my mind, on my dreams, and I will uh, work hard so I can be in there. We know we have uh, really good keepers, Ochoa, Taladera, Cota, uh, Orozco, the, the players you, you say, and I respect them a lot, and I always learn from seeing them on the field, but in my, in my mind, I have uh, Qatar, I have Mexico, and I need to work very hard so, so I can be in the, in the list and I have it on my dreams. You've gotten to see Major League Soccer teams up close, whether it's the League's Cup or whether it's the CONCACAF Champions League. Is Major League Soccer an attractive place for Mexican players? Yes, of course. Uh, we know the, that the league of the MLS has been growing a lot in the last few years. And we can see it on the stadiums, a lot of people, a lot of fans, uh, very good players in every single team. And of course, it, it's an attractive le league, uh, but I think that Mexico has uh, a better competition mm -hmm. because all the teams on, on, the, on, the, on the Liga MX uh, have really good players, uh, really good stadiums. We can see it on the on the TV, and because of that, I think that Mexico has a better league. All right, great stuff there, Herc. Uh, awesome access at your old home, Torreon, with uh, Santos. Wonder what you thought your biggest takeaways were from the sit down with Azaleda. I thought it was great to hear him talk about the interest from Leverkusen to know that there's real interest from Europe. I thought it was also interesting to hear him talk. Uh, about the lack of exportation. Yeah. I feel like more and more young Mexican players are now starting to speak up about this. Yeah, they're starting to see what's happening and how sometimes you have to force your way out. When I asked him point blank if the lack of exportation is going to hurt the national team, he was absolutely. Uh, we spoke about it off air as well. There is a concern growing amongst the young players in Liga Mekis about this. Uh, I thought that was very interesting from his part. And listen, uh, he's, he's only 25 years old. For a goalkeeper, that is very, very young, but he's a very, very mature player. So let's look ahead to the next World Cup. I wonder where Acevedo fits on your L3 goalie depth chart as we look ahead to Qatar. So I was thinking about this, and the surprising thing when I thought about this, and I'll go from five to one, right, about, all right, who's in this pool? And I started kind of having a theme with this. Uh, Jose de Jesus Corona. You may know him as JJ Corona, who's the goalkeeper of Cruz Azul. Well, he'll be 41 this month. Alfredo Talavera, he's the ex-Toluca goalkeeper, now Puma's goalkeeper. He's going to be 40 come Qatar. Uh, Carlos Acevedo, he's being my third goalkeeper. He's going to be the youngest of the bunch mm. at 26 years old. That would be Carlos Acevedo, the youngster of the group at 26 years old. Number two is Rodolfo Cota. Rodolfo Cota, who's, I mean, won everywhere he's been. Um, very good goalkeeper. He seems to be in a final uh, every single season he's in Liga Mekis. It doesn't matter where he plays. He's that much of a, that much of a guarantee. He's going to be 35 at Qatar. 
And then Memo Choa. I think we can both agree nobody's going to take Memo Choa's place. He's going to be the starting goalkeeper in Qatar. But that should worry you. It should worry you that I just named off five players and only one is below 30 years of age. The rest are 35, 37, 40, and 41. I don't know if you have another name that's in that hat who could potentially be in that top five when it comes to the goalkeeper depth chart. But this should be worrisome if you're a Mexican soccer fan. I'm not as worried about some of the age, because it is a goalie position, right? So those guys last longer. I'm looking here at your depth chart. Uh, as you've got it, you've got Acevedo at three. So you asked him if he saw himself in Qatar. You, you seem to see him in Qatar, because you've got him in there in the top three. No doubt about Memo Ochoa uh, at number one. I actually, when I was looking at this list, I put Acevedo at two. I put him ahead of Rodolfo Cota. And I'm just looking at it kind of in, in two different groups, right? There are your guys over 30s. You mentioned a bunch of them there. Um, and then there's this kind of other group in the under 20, in the 20, in the 20s. Um, Acevedo's in there. Jurado's in there. One name that's not on any of your list right here is David Ochoa. And so, to me, it really is, as we think about the future, it could be Acevedo against Ochoa. Do you see Acevedo clearly ahead of Ochoa in that comparison? No, and I don't think Tata does, or Acevedo would have been called in a long time ago. It, it seems like these players who are having to decide, uh, Mexican-American players, are having to leg up in this process, this proceso that we always hear about in Liga Mekis when it comes to achieving things, when it comes to experiencing things, whether that's championships or that's going abroad or whether that's national team call-ups, they seem to be getting cut in front of the line. That's a huge mm -hmm. advantage to David Cho, a huge advantage to those players like Julian uh, Araujo, uh, and a disadvantage for some players like Acevedo. Yeah, I mean, you look at the experience, 25 years old, Acevedo, he's played. Uh, we saw 66, that's league appearances for Santos. You throw in cup, he's up to 90. David Ochoa's 20 years old, and he's got 29 first-team appearances. He's yeah. got some, some minutes in the USL as well. But uh, at least in terms of development, Acevedo well ahead. I was kind of shocked to see that David Ochoa, not even in your top five uh, Mexican goalies <laughs> of the moment. Since we are Over talking who? about, well, I'm— I, he's a young guy. You got, you got guys who, Sam? You don't got guys in their shocked. 40s. I don't know. Corona, Talavera. I don't need a 40-year-old backup. Come on. It's time no, to, no, no. to top move five on. Mexican goalkeepers. Okay? That's my depth shot right there. That's okay. what I mean. If um, one guy goes down, the next guy. By talent. The number one person on this list should be, if we were doing an all-time list, would be none other than Jorge Campos, who is the uh, subject of our next segment, Drippin' or Trippin'. He is selling her some 300 jerseys uh, from his playing days in the 90s. Actually, they're, they're replicas, they're autographed, but they're going for about $250. I'm supposed to ask you if this is dripping or tripping, but it's Jorge Campos, it has to be dripping. Yeah, let me give you some context. It's definitely dripping. This is Raute Sport, ex Aka Sport. It's family owned by Christopher Rios. It's an Acapulco brand, hence the OX Aka Sport. They're relaunching that brand. And in order to get things kickstarted, they've, was it, 300 jerseys? Mm -hmm. They've had Jorge Campos, George Fields himself, who's part investor in this company now, sign each jersey. When you buy your jersey, when you get it, there's a QR code. It has the video of him actually signing your mm. jersey with the message. It's George Fields. I think this is dripping. You know what I think about Absolutely. George Fields? 
Absolutely. Well, uh, let me tell you something about those old Jorge Campos uniforms back from the mid-'90s. Uh, you know, I was a young kid growing up in the States, but, man, I love me some Jorge Campos. And you will be shocked, because you know exactly how tall I am, Herc. At one point in my young soccer career, I was a goalie. And <laughs> I wasn't going to play goalie unless they let, they let me, A, play like, and B, dress like my idol. Jorge Campos. So my mom and dad sent down to Mexico with my grandma and said, hey, send us up some jerseys. And here's your boy modeling the old, and it is, I think, the same brand Aca there, Sports. Acapulco. You see it. Aca Sports. Um, yeah, there you see it. So look at that. If, if Jorge and, uh, and Aca Sports need a model, your, your boy has some experience and, and has actually, like, here a resume. And as I see, same height. So, ah, uh, come on. That's a, <laughs> we're still doing short jokes in 2022. Please, please. Um, all right, uh, one more bit of news here. Um, out of the NWSL, the Kansas City Current are loading up. Herc, they've traded for Lynn Williams from the North Carolina Courage. That's already uh, after they've added Sam Mewis as well. So you got two of the more successful players in league history. Plus, they're talking about building a stadium specifically for this NWSL team. So, Herc, look out for the Kansas City Current. Well, you should. The current uh, new stadium, uh, new new outlook on life. Uh, one of the worst teams, the worst team uh, offensively mm -hmm. anyways in, w in the NWSL. Now get themselves Lynn Williams, uh, former league MVP, former Golden Boot, lots of offensive production, surely, and 28 years old. So they are building, absolutely building something special. Yeah. Uh, fewest goals and fewest assists last year in all the NWSL, the current. That'll change. That will definitely change with Lynn Williams on the team. Hey, one more bit of news, because this just broke today. Uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation has confirmed her its two candidates for the upcoming presidential election. They are, as we expected, Carlos Cordero and the incumbent Cindy Parlo Cohn. And we again invite both candidates now. The floor is yours here on Football Americas. We will effort interviews with both candidates in the coming weeks. We know we'll have an interview next week with none other than Pedro Caicinha of Santos. Herc putting in that work Caixinha. as he always does. I'm just Caixinha. the pretty face of the show Portuguese. on Football Americas. That's it for us. We'll see you in a few days right here on ESPN+. Plus.